Hello, and welcome to Fine Art Podcast, where the podcast is fine, but the art is fine. My name's Keegan Shiner, and I'm the host of this podcast, and this week's guest is Danielle Abrams. She's the professor of the practice in performance art at the School of the Museum of Fine Art at Tufts University, which is a long name, so we just call it SMFA, usually. And she uses her performances to blow your mind. Um, Danielle often embodies a cast of characters that represent cross-sections of races, ethnicities, genders, and cultures, all forming this quilt uh, or weave of her own identity, which is complex. And she uses her biracial heritage as the building block of her own performances. So, and when you see these things, they're just amazing. In fact, one of the performances we talk about quite a bit on this show is called Great, and you can find it by going to the Area Code Art Fair website, which is areacodeartfair.com. Go to the performance section and you'll see her name and you can click on it. It's about a 16 minute video on YouTube. It was a live video performance on YouTube. Um, I think it's just great. And that brings me to my next point. On this episode, my friend, who is not a fine artist, my guest, who I call the bridge to outside of the art world, is Eric Schwartz. And he was listening to this video. Um, he was watching it at his sister's house. And they just loved it. And they talked quite a bit about it. And then, of course, Eric and Danielle uh, get pretty involved uh, with their love of this place called the Lemon Ice King of Corona, which is in New York. And they talk about the Lemon Ice King of Corona a bit. And then Eric gets his sister on the uh, on his cell phone on a Skype call during this podcast. So you'll hear from her and his entire family, <laughs> extended family there. So it's a fun moment. But back to Danielle. She's exhibited her work in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco for international audiences. She's performed at the Detroit Institute of the Arts, the Jewish Museum, the Bronx Museum of Arts, the ICA in Boston, the University of Michigan Museum of Art, all over the place, lots of performance spaces. If you want to find Danielle's art uh, before or after or during this podcast, you can find it at www.danielleabrams.com. And with that being said, I will talk to you on the other side. And my sister's like, oh my God, she has the best voice ever. Because you're from New York and all our parents, all our relatives are from New York. She's like, oh God, just press play. And so without watching you at all, she's like, this is fantastic. And like, she used it to fall asleep. So she was really tired. So. <laughs> you know, what, it's, like, it's like there are so few things that we have that we can seduce people with that if that is the seduction method, then fine, let it be. <laughs> but I, I, it's funny you say from New York, because I said, oh, this is a Jewish guy. His last name is Schwartz. <laughs> I am Jewish, and my sister is Jewish too. But as soon as she heard your voice, like, New York, and then, like, she's also <laughs> Jewish. She's like, yes, I knew it. <laughs> she's, she's, it's actually a Jewish hybrid accent, because my father and his family are from the South. They're, they're Black. And my mother and her family are from Queens in New York, and they're Jewish. So there is this, this very strange combination of, of the two that have come together. But it wouldn't be recognizable to anybody's ear but me or my cousins or, you know, or, or those who are on that side of the family. My grandmother, my uncles, and my cousins all live in Queens. So, Which part of Queens? Um, I wish I knew. <laughs> um, but, but I, I, we live about, they live about 10 minutes from the lemon ice cream Corona. That's like yeah, I, I'm not, listen, <laughs> I have, could, could you, you guys just chat for a second. Okay. okay. Oh, here it is. In my dirty oh my country. goodness. You oh, screenshot and share it with, with your sister. I need to do that. I'm doing that right now. It stinks. It stinks so bad. It must have been from the, from the hot, hot weather. No, uh, my sister, like, so, because obviously my sister and I live in Chicago. That's, like, literally the only, the place we have to go to every single time we visit New York is we have to go to Lemon Ice King Corona. Like, we don't need your pizza. We don't need your bagels. We don't need your Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, we need your good. Lemon Ice King Corona. That's it. But you can get some very good Italian food and pizza while you're down there. I mean, we usually do that, too. But that's, like, but 
if like we had a choice between like I think we had a choice like it was the last day we were there and we're like we could either go for Chinese food because we haven't gotten it we haven't gotten like anything like that because New York go? Chinese food is different or else we could get lemon ice cream Corona it wasn't even a vote we got you, you go to Joe Corona. Shanghai for your Chinese food never been to China so no no, I- no no <laughs> <laughs> Joe's Shanghai it's okay uh, it's a restaurant they have one in Chinatown and one in Flushing I'll make sure we add it to the list because like we just have places we have to go to every time we visit yeah we have family there yeah there it's like Broadway and all that stuff but no we got to hit like the lemon ice cream corona that's the important stuff fuck Broadway oh please <laughs> if I I hate sitting through those shows this is my, you, you may want to put this in the interview, okay? This okay. is my experience with um, Broadway shows. You know, my grandparents, they were um, aspiring and assimilating Jews of European descent. And, you know, and they wanted, they wanted to own an Oldsmobile. And my grandfather had a nice middle-class job. You know, basically they got out of the shtetl. Yeah. And what they wanted to do was to take their four-year-old granddaughter who was me to see the king and i <laughs> oh boy that is an exciting musical <laughs> that bold man <laughs> that yule brinner right no and i don't mean it in that way eric just to let you know i just meant that you, <laughs> no you, no I've come to accept my choice. It's, not it's, all balls. No, no, your, your, not ball, all balls. Your yeah. would not make me do what hey. I just did. It was the singing. It was the boredom. It was that nobody was listening to me. I, was, I, I need to go here. I need to go there. And finally, I started with, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go <laughs> to the bathroom. And, you know, Broadway tickets are very expensive. You don't go to the bathroom. Yeah, you don't get up. Yeah. You hold it, you live, and then you... Well, yeah, for you year old doesn't hold it yeah so i was like and i peed <laughs> oh no and then i was like grandma <laughs> i peed in my seat what danielle <laughs> you peed in your seat you can't sit in that seat i know i know we had to leave the show oh my god <laughs> so really if all else fails there was you know who did this um alice neal the painter she also peed as an act of protest. If oh. all else fails, just lift your skirt and pee away, and something is going to change. If we did, I bet you if the, if in, the, in the United States, if we did a massive public pee, something would happen. Something would happen. <laughs> <laughs> be really gross. Just like a river of piss running from Wisconsin to New Jersey. <laughs> We have images coming in now from Portland where mass all the fires ex- would go out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that that is my experience with musicals. I cannot stand them. And and like, like the ice bucket challenge, but with pee. Like I nominate Danielle to pee. <laughs> and then you nominate somebody and uh, uh, well, you, have to, you have to buy me a ticket to, um, I don't know, Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't deal with, I can't deal with Broadway shows. I can't deal with musicals. That's really what it is. And this has been a big gap between me and many of my gay male friends for, for years. We can't quite get that close. Interesting. Okay. Is it just long or is it is it the actual music or... Are it's they just kind of dumb? It, it's the, it's the, um, I, I, I know what it is. It's, it's the overt artifice that everybody is sitting there believing in. Ah, you know? So okay. it's that, it's that collective, um, brainwashing. That Have I'm you, do you like any musicals? Do you like Hamilton? Do you like um, no, well, I didn't see Hamilton, and I had no desire to see it when it was on Zoom. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I did like Greece, but I think because in when it was out in the seventies, I was like kind of into fifties music and oh, cool. you know, Pinky Tuscadero and black leather jackets and you yeah, know, Greece has a good style. Yeah. What about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? I didn't see that, but it looked pretty trippy. It looked pretty. That was the first uh, musical that I ever got sucked to, and you know, son of a Jewish parents like, oh, he can go see it. <laughs> I didn't pee myself, 
but my mom was not happy with me. Was it was it Donny, Donny Osmond when you saw it? Because he was he was at the Chicago Broadway. It okay. could have been. I th- it was like I think it was, it was like, a big event when I was a kid too. I think I was like three or four. I, all I remember was oh. my mom got annoyed because my dad said you can go take him outside because I was getting antsy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, how do I get stuck doing this? Yeah. You know, I mean, really, it's a recipe. It's a recipe to get furious with your child. And like, you know, if you realize that, you know, shows are not kid friendly, then get a babysitter, you know, or uh, just don't go to show. <laughs> right. I mean, use that money for something else. It's ridiculous how much they cost. And, and of course, I miss and a big subject of my interest, which is an amount amounting to really nothing other than useless research, is um, <laughs> is a, a Times Square that I grew up in, a Times Square of the 1970s, you know, um, where where it was really, you know, it was a red light district and everywhere you looked, there was danger, there was taboo and yeah, things yeah. you weren't supposed to be looking at. And there was also a kind of commerce that we just don't see anymore, you know, which which is sex work, you know, which right, has, right. which has become very invisible, um, or non-existent in in cities, yeah, you know, because of gentrification. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. okay, I guess I do have a little research analysis about it, but um, <laughs> I, that's, I mean, you know, that's that was the best part of going down to Times Square to see these shows was to like pass, you know, the girls, 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 and peep shows. And, you know, do you have any recollection of spending time there during that period? Well, I was never, I was not in New York until my twenties. So not Um, even, uh, not even close. Okay. My recollection was again, like the only time I can remember, cause I always just, whenever we visit, it was always either, visiting grandma, visiting uncles, or visiting other uncles, or visiting other grandma, because they all lived in New York. So mm-hmm. I usually got, so because if you wanted, because I was the youngest of four, I think I was left with grandma a lot when they yes. went to go do stuff. So my recollection was eating rice a lot, because my grandma on my mom's side loved rice. She's Sephardic. So she's like, we're going to have rice for dinner. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> Wow. So rice is like, a, is really a Sephardic staple. Yeah. Um, I don't I, know too many Sephardic Jews. Um, yeah, They're pretty much yeah. all Ashkenazi in my My family's all Sephardic. So like we all like, so we get to have our rice during our Passover, um, which is always great. Um, <laughs> I don't follow Passover at all, but I get to say I can have the rice. So it works out. But yeah, no, like, I, okay. so the most stable food to me is, chicken and rice because that's what my mom and grandma always cooked like growing up was chicken and rice are there any sephardic restaurants um in chicago that you have access to not that i know of like the closest there's a lot like we do delis a lot that we do i mean we don't do new york delis but we do delis like we've got um what's the one on the south side keegan uh manny's manny's yeah Manny's is fantastic yeah it's a jewish deli style what's the one by by you it's that we go to all the time. No, that's the bagel. The bagel. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's in Evanston as well. But it's that's a like, good Jewish. Deli. It's a good yeah. Jewish store. Like, like, yeah, Evanston like, is um, Jewish. Yeah. But yeah, no, like Manny's, like their their special food is a laka, corned beef, and another laka. Yeah. And so you can imagine how that tastes. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it sounds like richness on crack, you know. Um, exactly like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very good description of it. So, like, that's what like, I'll tend to go if I want, like, a Jewish food. But, again, that's not necessarily Sephardic. That's just it, – we're trying to hit New York and failing is the way it is. Okay. Can I tell you a rice story that has to do with my grandparents again? Yeah. At the same age. <laughs> okay. I was, like, I guess they're, like, little Abner. You know, I was the only grandchild, so they tested everything out on me. Um, okay. So – um, you know, when kids lose their front few teeth and all they have are like these fangs on the side, right? Yeah. And, and it's hard. I don't know if you remember this, but it was very hard to eat. There's very few things you can eat. It's actually like I just had my wisdom teeth pulled and I'm having a hard time having anything other than soup. This oh. is like the same thing, except it's not wisdom teeth. Anyway, so I didn't have, I have this big gap. I have this big gap in the front of my teeth. 
and I couldn't eat anything. So my grandparents took me to, I don't know if you guys will know this restaurant. It's a chain. It's called Benihana. I know. I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So Benihana is very famous and they're, it's a novelty restaurant and they're famous for chopping up your food right in front of you. I don't even think they make it any. I don't think there are any Benihana. Keegan, it's like Domo 77 by Chris, if you remember that. It's growing up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, even if like, even if you're Anglo-Saxon, they dress you up like you're as my grandmother would, well, I won't, I won't give you the punchline yet, but they dress you up like you're Asian and you wear like something that looks like a, a um, what do you call those robes? Um, Kimono? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like this, it's, it's Pan-Asian, but in the worst way. Anyway, so, um, you know, I went with my grandparents and, you know, they put the steak down and they put the chicken down or whatever. And then they put the rice down. So I was like, oh, great rice. That's what I could eat. You know, I couldn't eat steak and chicken. So I'm like eating the rice, eating the rice, right? And my grandmother goes, aren't you going to eat the other things? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I can't. I, I can't eat with my teeth. I go, just the rice. And she goes, do you know how much money we spent to take you here? That's the last time I take you to a nice oriental restaurant. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, that was the last time I ever had to go to a nice oriental restaurant with my grandmother. <laughs> I mean, we, we went out for Chinese food, but I think she did. Sure, I hope so stopped using the word oriental although she used plenty of other words oh yeah anyway so um yeah so she, that's what she tells her black jewish granddaughter who eventually <laughs> will be having to figure out how to have, be culturally and racially liberated and she is a basically a, a bastard child for eating rice in the expensive <laughs> benny on a restaurant how dare you i, know. I was yeah, just I was thinking about the money that you were wasting too while you were telling that story. <laughs> were you really? Yeah. Oh, you and my grandmother. Yeah. You use the word oriental also? No, no. Uh -oh. <laughs> I, I believe the correct term now is fusion. 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 Asian fusion. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not pan Asian. I don't I I don't know. Pan Asian no. is confusing because it would make me think of Panama and Asian. I, it makes me feel <laughs> like is there a canal in there somewhere? There, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, that's everything you need to know about my work. <laughs> okay. Hey, this has oh, been a great podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We've talked uh, about no. ice cream corona. Oh, peeing in the theater. Yeah. Really, peeing in the theater. That is really, that is, I think, I, without realizing it, of course, but I do think that that was my sort of um, swan song as a performance <laughs> artist. Some people end their lives, you know, with good performances. That was your I best was, one. Yeah. yeah. You probably got the most attention you ever did out of that one performance right there. Look at this. I, able, I, I was able to manipulate my audience in a way that I, I was able to Broadway tickets. We left. <laughs> you performed on Broadway. You could yeah. say it now. You should add that to your artist statement. I should add that to my Danielle CV. performed on Broadway at the age of nine. Was four, it nine? Four. Four. four at the age four. of four. I would have been oh, being yeah. in seats at nine. Come on. <laughs> I didn't pick that up again until my twenties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, but thank you for thank thank you for watching the um, the videos. Keegan, did you get a chance? I don't know if you did, and it's okay if you didn't. I saw it live. Yeah, I saw it live on Zoom you, you on YouTube. The, yeah. Oh, thank you for watching that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, that was a that was a first um, to perform live. On what YouTube. was it like performing on Zoom? Well, it wasn't really Zoom because if it was, it was Zoom, it would have had a little bit of a better. Um, uh, a better feed it was a little hiccupy oh okay hiccupy. and i even went and bought an external mic because the sound was terrible so i was like i would just use my own mic oh yeah um you know make sure that queen's accent comes out <laughs> yeah um I, no you have no idea how happy that made my sister because so like <laughs> no where I, so is my, she why, why should you meet her i i she's in a she lives uh, i don't live with her so 
But no, get she was. Zoom. <laughs> I can see if I can see if I get a FaceTime for her. I'll show her the camera right quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. We'll talk about coffee and hot dogs. <laughs> um, that was a very odd experience, and I rehearsed. I did twenty rehearsals around there before yeah. on on actual YouTube live, but privately because. I just didn't know how to rehearse. Were you, you were on YouTube live then? Were you yeah, able to see people comment or? No, no. Okay. No, thank, they turned comments off. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, no, I, I realized that I was just telling Mary Ellen Strom this the other night. I could not look into the camera. Oh, here's Yay! Eric's sister. Hello. Hi, can, we, can she see the shirt right quick? Me. She want to see the shirt. Right oh, hold on. <laughs> Hi, Henry. Hi. It's the best oh, yeah. night shirt. Yeah. <gasps> See? Oh, it's so great. Did you get it there? Did you order it online? No, 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 no. I order online. No, you got to go there. You Come on. You think they have an online service? <laughs> that little tin can of ice ices they have? <laughs> Although, who knows? Um, I, I, I've been trying to figure out what this thing is for years. Well, is that like one of the old Italian sun hats or something? Or I didn't realize it was a hat. Here, I'll bring her closer so she can see. What's your name? What's your name? Ms. Schwartz. Uh, Becky, your name's Rebecca. Hi, uh, her Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Wait, so so you guys you guys have Queen's roots? Yes. Our parents are from Queens. And Mom and I think is where I make everybody go every time we go to New York if it's in season, because you know you can't go in the winter. But not only that, like last time we were there, uh, we went twice because I made everybody go. <laughs> I what i you know what I meant to ask you, Eric, and I'll and I'll ask you too, Rebecca, what are your favorite flavors? Not Fruit cocktail is the worst thing we ever said. I remember. My mother always gets the fruit cocktail. I think oh, it was a diet, weird. a diet thing. You like the? Uh, you didn't like? You didn't like the Oreo, right? Cookies and cream there. Yeah. But either, okay. So I like the rainbow or the cherry. I also like the peach. I like the cherry. The cherry was my favorite. Yeah, but my husband likes the chocolate the best. Good classic flavors. Good classic flavors from the best ice maker in, you know, anywhere in the universe. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So not only that, like, my husband travels to work or New York to work, and he's, like, made the cast stop on the way to the airport. Because, you know, you got And it is on the way to LaGuardia. <laughs> yeah, it's right It's so good. Yeah, I, I have that. I, I have the Lemon Ice King, and then I like to go to Yona Schimmel's for Knishes. Did you ever, guys ever do that? It's near Katz's Delicatessen, and that's in Manhattan, not Queens. Oh, no, we'll have to go there. But we the also, what's the Chinese place we need to? Joe oh, Shanghai. Oh, Shanghai Joe. Shanghai Joe's. Shanghai Joe. We're supposed to get that as well. Yeah, that's that's. I gotta write this all down. I do. I went to start writing. You have to have the soup dumplings. Otherwise, everything else is it's good. But you know, you gotta have the soup dumplings. They're having. Because our grandmother sport that was the best restaurant in all of Queens. It's this Italian place. We're very, I don't know. My husband. Oh, my he, it's owned by the Yelp Summers, what he has said. No, it's not. He said, don't buy a mobster. Owned by a mobster. Oh, yeah. Oh, everything down there. How oh, do you think? Corona is, is, Corona is mob central. <laughs> you just, you know, eat your ice, but keep your head down. Oh, the Yes, definitely. And there's different kinds of mobs. It's like the, the Greek mob in Astoria. They own everything. You know, that's all the all the dance palaces and Greek restaurants and even oh, yeah, the moving image. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think that's over there. Well, maybe sometime we'll all have like a we met on Zoom but we don't know each other kind of real live date oh, without masks and go and eat our faces off in New York. That sounds good. It sounds like a plan. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you guys need to go back to the interview. Do you want to hang up on me for now? I, I guess so. Can you guys go back to talking? It. 
Like, you guys like, have like an important like comic book conversation and like we're just like Oh no, this is a fine art this is a fine art podcast. Oh it is? Yeah. Yeah, fine art podcast. It's actually called Fine Art Podcast. I, I, I just, I feel so bad because I feel like you're going to have to do such a tremendous amount of editing. Oh, no, it'll be okay. <laughs> I'm just um, glad I started recording already. I do like, I do like conversational podcasts. Well, uh, what's funny is this is episode three. And oh, uh, you're my third. To live up to. <laughs> you're my third guest. And this is breaking our format. Um, this is also the first time I've ever fine. been on it too, so that's yeah, also yeah. probably why. Because so, I kind of hijacked it because you're from New York, and <laughs> I was super excited. Yeah. Sorry, you know, I'm quitting. Um, well, I've been quitting smoking uh, since the beginning of uh, COVID. Oh, cool. And um, I'm duh, right? And um, some, and I chew this nicotine gum, but I just had a little piece of metal in it just now, and I was just like, ah! Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And it was, and, and I got rid of it. Anyway. Oh, gross. Yeah. So, what are your tattoos on your arm? Can I ask that? You want you you know my tattoos? No, I don't know your tattoos. Really? Was I that covered up when I taught? I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Well, it's winter. Isn't uh, that a rule? A, a rule or or not? Uh, well, my very first tattoo was on my leg. Oh wait, wrong leg. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I don't know if you can see it, but it's a really bad, right? Yeah. A really bad tattoo of an anchor. Okay. Yeah. Um, that Rock does not anchor. look like an anchor. I thought it was a crown, honestly. That's okay. <laughs> it can look like whatever. Um, my friend Roxanne was like, um, I can give you a tattoo. And she wasn't a tattoo artist. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, you got some ink? And I'm an artist. I was like, yeah, of course I have some ink. You got a pin? I got a pin. You got a string? Got a string. Okay. Anyway, oh. then she did it, and we just sat there drinking coffee while she, you know, while she tattooed me. Anyway, so that was number one, and I, yeah, you know, it was just bullshit tattoo. But then I, um, then the, the net, then then I started to work. Then I wanted a Ferris wheel. Oh, cool! And um, is that Coney a specific Island. one, Coney Island? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of a Coney Island one. Actually, it's from Amsterdam, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, and then the tattoo or the Sheldon. Ferris wheel. <laughs> All right, it's just a Ferris wheel, all right, damn it. Is it is the Ferris wheel in Amsterdam? The, this Ferris wheel is actually in Amsterdam, yeah. Oh, okay. Were you have you ever been to that Ferris wheel? I've never been to Amsterdam. Okay. No, no, but it is um you know, it it evokes the it's just a, Yeah, it's a well designed Ferris wheel. Yes, and the woman who did this, uh, her name, I don't know, it's just drawn so beautifully. Oh, yeah. Her name is Diane DeMassa, and she did a graphic novel. I'm still, I think, works on it. And um, this graphic novel, the main character is called Hothead Paisan, Homicidal Lesbian Terrorist. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cartoon character that basically, you know, uh, takes on misogyny, takes on like all the fucked up shit in the world by like, you know, throwing bombs at things and cursing out things and, you know, just like acting out all the things that we wish we could act out. Oh it's yeah. Great, great comic book. I, I'd love to like just teach a class on her. Um, anyway, all right. So then, um, then I just started to add to it. There's the, the, I don't know if you know, the parachute jump. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And, oh, cool. mo and most of the work, the rest of the work was done by, and there's a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. Jacks. Uh, most of the work was done by Stephanie Tamez in New York okay. um, on the Lower East Side. Oh, this piece, okay, the banner up here, Stephanie dot, did that. That's my birth year, 1968. Oh, cool. And we'll fill in when I die, when I'm dead. <laughs> and um, this was kind of a botched up um spaceship ride but that's okay and um and this fish this fish is based on like a turn of the century statue that okay. was at one of coney island's amusement parks oh right uh, it okay. was actually stone but um the tattoo was we gave it some color yeah and, and then of course my mermaid oh yeah the mermaid and um i said to the tattooist i said oh i want her to have some dreadlocks I just picked that <laughs> little dreadlocks, and I said, and I said, and she's a black mermaid. And the tattooist looked at me, and I said, <laughs> she's on my skin. <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. Um, she laughed, you know, she liked that. Anyway, and then this is the most recent one I've gotten. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Snoopy. Yeah, my favorite. My favorite. Oh, wow. Anyway, so that's, that's the tattoo city here. Because when you see, when we watch you perform, your tattoo is always so pronounced. And, yeah. and oh. like, it's kind of part of your, uh, your dressage. Yeah, your, char- your character. Yeah, like with the, with the sugar cubes, bringing them up. Oh, yeah, them. yeah. So one thing I could notice really well from your recent performance, uh, does that have a title, by the way? Yeah, yeah, it's called Great. Great, okay. Yeah, um, if you go to the Area Code website, there's a little like um, synopsis about it. And there's also um, a conversation that I had with Patty Chang about the piece. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, yeah, um, I didn't get my first tattoo till I was 27 though. It, it was kind of subcultural. I was living in San Francisco at the time. I was really inundated in like a group of queer artists, lesbians that um, organized around butch femme identity and butch femme politics. Um, there wasn't much in the way, there wasn't anything in the way of um, gender being being viewed as fluid, even though okay. I would argue that, you know, to make a choice to be butch or femme and to play within that realm, that was, uh, that was a, a, I think, a pretty profound experimentation of gender. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot going on. Um, there was, you know, there were S- SM was like a really big thing, and women's SM, which, you know, SM had always kind of existed for men or okay. for heterosexual couples, but this was lesbian SM, and there were, you know, dungeons that you could go to on certain nights. I always felt like oh, interesting. <laughs> whip out of my hand what do i know from a whip (laughs) (laughs) anyway you just give me the seat i'll pee in the seat anyway um you know i (laughs) and so um part of that you know subculture was you know they you know women um there was a women's piercing parlor which is still open it's called black and blue tattoo Oh, cool. um, my friend Adexa runs a parlor and, you know, and that's where we all used to go get our tattoos and, and, um, and there was a piercing studio and, you know, and everybody was like kind of taking back their bodies and their genders and their identities and kind of reinventing them in, you know, any way that they wanted to, whether it was dyeing their hair purple or getting a piercing through the top of their nose or, you know, I mean, yeah. It was very much a time that was about, there was a performativity, but there was also, it was political. It was about, it was about, this is my body. You told me, you've told me for years that my body needs to look like this to be a woman or like this to be normal. And I'm going to show you what I want my body to look like and how I want it to be scarred and modified. So um, anyways, really, I mean, you know, it was very fruitful for me. I, I, I wouldn't say that I was one of the more pierced or tattooed ones, but I was pretty butch and I was really like, I was pretty immersed in that identity. And it, it was exciting for me because I had just come out of the closet as a lesbian and to be able to come out of the closet and then go and try on all these other things in this other closet. Oh, you know, I see. Yeah. <laughs> was um it's it, like discovering your crowd, right? It's kind of like your crowd, discovering yeah. yourself. Yeah, you that know? too. Yeah. And so, you know, so I was like, you know, I was like the big butch daddy, right? And then I went to graduate well, I I went to interview at a graduate school in Southern California, UC Irvine. And um at my interview one of um, my most profound influences, you, you asked who, who influenced me, um, is a, was a professor that I actually chose not to work with because he scared <laughs> the shit out of me. But his name was uh, Daniel J. Martinez. Okay. And, um, and he said to me, okay, you know, he says, you got this butch thing down, you know, you're doing a really good job, you know, in terms of, you know, lesbian politics and gender and this and that. He goes, but what about the other parts of you? What about the parts of you that are Jewish? What about the parts that are black? And I was like, hmm. And all of a sudden I envisioned something that I had no idea what it looked like, but I knew it was palpable. I knew it was a thing. 
if I was going to take that matrix, I was, if I was going to take that challenge and, and build that matrix, it was going to be fucking hot shit. Yeah. And, um, and he was the first one who ever just like put it in my face like that. You remember a lot about your life and your, and your family. Is, is that correct? Or do you kind of like sit around thinking about like <laughs> trying to remember stuff? Or? No, no, no. Well, um, for the last piece, great. Um, I actually did spend a lot of time talking with my cousin, Cheryl, who remembers everything. Oh, okay. Okay. But I also um, gave myself permission a long time ago to write from a place of fact fiction. Okay. And realize that everybody tells stories and writes and recapitulates based on fact, a combination of fact and fiction. And then there's another term, um, mythobiography, which I, I like oh. to refer to a lot also. Um, I, I, I n never feel like I'm lying, you know, but I feel like what I'm telling you about, because it's me telling you the story, I'm really telling you about me when I'm yeah. telling you this story. I'm not a journalist. And um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny, I just thought of my grandfather, my Jewish grandfather, who was the only grandfather I knew. We used to write together um, the family press. And, oh, wow. Yeah, he got to do the writing, which was excessive and unnecessarily excessive. And I got <laughs> to put the Snoopy stamps on. <laughs> Were these like uh, Christmas cards for the family or? Well, they were for everybody. He used to give them, I mean. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> identity theft. There was no such thing in the 70s. Like, he used to give it to, you know, the person in the pizza store, the person in the Jewish deli, the people that he worked with, you know. Did he they, get those back from them? Because. Yeah, he would give them copies. He would make oh, yeah, yeah. copies and give it oh, to them. Oh, funny. <laughs> but like in before internet pre-internet i feel like people really shared a lot more with other people because there was less content you know like there's less to see and less to read and you know i i remember uh my grandparents had like three page letters from their friends and they yeah. saw their friends you know like like it, it was just like, like people yeah like people shared more and there was no facebook right Right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, Keegan. I do think that people sat together and talked on, you know, they would sit on, at least in my building where I grew up, they, they would sit outside, like there was a barely a stoop. I don't know what the hell it was, but sometimes the older people would bring their lawn chairs and they would just sit outside all day and talk. Yeah. And that was not considered a waste of time, actually. That was a way, that was a it, way to spend time. Yeah, it, was, it stimulated their imaginations, you know. And so for me, you know, as a, as a kid seeing that, I just remember that they were watching us. Like they would, oh. hear, you know, they would hear my mother say to me, now don't go around the corner. <laughs> and I'd be like, look. Because <laughs> I knew they would tell, you know. They would say, oh, yeah. I saw your daughter go around the corner after you told her not to go around the corner. What what was the neighborhood like that you grew up in? No, I, I, I want to tell you this, but I just noticed that you and I have a very similar cat tree. We have the same cat tree, actually. I know this from your, your performance video. <laughs> it's very pronounced in the performance video. Did you see the cat in the video? I didn't even know the cat appeared in the I video. I didn't see the cat in the video. Um, I saw the cat tree as well. I know you guys had the same cat tree because I visited Keegan's and saw yours, but yeah, did not yeah. see the cat. It's a good cat tree, but we're going to get rid of it soon because it's like, it's the, the hemp is, um. Oh, really? Yeah. They use that. My cats are too big for that scratch post. They don't, they okay. don't use that ever. Um, yeah. I, I, we have a standalone uh, scratch post that they, mm. that they use mostly. So it's either that or the couch, one or the other. They're both <laughs> equally, equally preferable. Yeah. Um, but where I grew up, I, I just, I have so much nostalgia about um, where I grew up. It was, it was kind of disgusting in a way. I just remember there was a lot of dog shit everywhere, but that was mm -hmm. New York. That was yeah. New York because in the seventies, you know, sanitation was always going on strike and this and that. Um, it was an apartment building that had three sections. Uh, I mean, I, th my, I think my mother told me that the rent used to be like $260 or something. Oh, wow. Most of the people that lived there were um, either working class that people worked, you know, 
Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of stay-at-home wives, lots of kids, and which was great and horrible, you know, yeah. <laughs> kids were real bullies. And it was across the street. This was our view. Yeah. <laughs> it was across the street from a series of factories. One was a cement factory, but my favorite oh, wow. was a zipper factory. <laughs> and then directly across the street was a railroad car diner. And it oh, wasn't cool. like trying to be campy or no, nostalgic. It was yeah. a railroad car diner that had been there for, for a very long time. And I remember, I, I mean, I have a lot of good memories of going there because it was like a tree. But what I do remember is that when I had a stomach virus, my mother used to go across and get me pure Coke syrup because they made their own sodas there, right? Yeah. And the co pure Coke syrup was more effective at settling the stomach than Coke. Interesting. And yeah, yeah. And, and I also remember having my first sunny side up egg at that diner, which, you know, we, normally people find gross, but my dad was like, eat it, eat it, it's good, it's good, it's good. And I was like, all right, I'll eat it, I'll eat it, it's good. <laughs> So, um, you know, and then it took, a, it was about a mile walk to school. I went to a public school. So you walked to school too? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Kids walked a long way to school, I think, back then. Now it's like, oh, are you going to put my child on, on a transportation service? Yeah. Uh, there was no such thing. And I remember it was cold as hell. This was pre-down, okay? Yeah. And I remember it was cold as hell. And we turned the corner and there was a lot and in the lot, there were Dalmatians, I mean, not Dalmatians, what am I thinking? Dachshunds, you know, oh, those, yeah. oh, and it, those they used scary to come up the fence and bark and bark and bark and bark. And I hated walking to school and we get <laughs> to school. But the best part was my cousins moved into the building. I had four girl cousins, yeah. um, my, mo my, my father's sister and her, her husband. And we were, we were all biracial and we all looked different, you know, into a brown, from brown to beige to this, uh, you know. Yeah. And we all used to walk to school together. And I felt like we were in a posse. And I felt like nobody was going to fuck with me. Nobody was going to try to rip, lift my skirt, beat me up. Even the dogs didn't bother me anymore. I was safe. And my aunt used to pick us up from school on Friday and take us to McDonald's. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, demographically, um, I would say that, this is interesting, I would say that there were a lot of like maybe first generation, you know, descendants, you know, uh, with, with parents maybe from Germany, from Ireland, Poland, things like that. Did you do um, any traveling as a kid? Did I do any travel? Yeah, I used to go every year, my grandparents would take me, <laughs> the grandparents with the Benihana. Yeah. They would take me <laughs> to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so we could, quote, unquote, see the Amish. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, uh, then we would stay at this, you know, I'm telling my grandparents had a little more money. So we would stay at this very nice resort hotel called the Host Farm. Oh, which cool. was great. They you didn't. It was like it was like quarantine. You didn't have to leave the building. You know, they had the ice, uh, uh, an ice skating rink, a game room, a kids camp, an indoor pool. You know, all that stuff. So we would do that every year, and then we would go and visit my aunt Charlotte and Uncle Lou, who lived in Silver Spring, Maryland. And then we'd go to Washington. You know, when we go there, we go to Washington D.C. You know, to see the jefferson slaveholder memorial and um you know the uh, um, <laughs> monument and you know yeah yeah all those things so um you know that was like my vacation every year that was oh so that was kind of a routine ritual yeah 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 we do it every august i remember elvis presley died while we were at the <laughs> farm one year and everybody was crying now, I guess this was a generation that was used to uh, tragedy, you know, public crying and tragedy, probably having gone through King and JFK and Bobby Kennedy, Malcolm X. Anyway, this was a public outcry. Oh, wow. And I was scared. I'd never seen so many folks. <laughs> Just it, just in in public, like just everyone just started crying. <laughs> At the host farm. Oh wow! 
Well, there weren't that many pop culture icons then, like really big ones, were there? No, and you know, and I think the 50s, I, I, I listened to the radio station, you know, there was recordings. I listened to the pop radio station I used to listen to as a kid. Yeah. And a lot of these songs that were fit were 50s music. Mm-hmm. Like there was like, it was, there was almost like, all right, we'll be the 70s, but there was this refusal to give up on doo-wop. So going back to the performance that we watched, uh, what was it? Have you done you've have you done video performance before or mostly in front of people? Um, you know, my my thesis um in when I was in graduate school was a performance and it was a performance video installation. Okay. And I did four pre-recorded performances as four different characters that were based upon either myself at different times in my life or family members. So um, I performed as my black grandmother from Virginia. Mm-hmm. I performed as my Jewish grandmother from New York. I performed as me when I was 16 and straight identified and couldn't deal with the black Jewish thing. So I just identified as Greek. Oh. And then I performed <laughs> myself as uh, a butch dyke in San Francisco running a meal plan service that was subsidized by food stamps. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, um, you know, so, th- so, th- so there are these four characters in the piece and each of them um, appears on a monitor, on an individual monitor around the gallery. Okay. And um, there's, it's not linear in the sense that like, you don't need to see the Jewish grandmother in order to understand the black grandmother. And you may end up having the black grandmother and the black grandmother appear on two monitors just by happenstance. Oh, okay. So yeah, so there's a kind of there's a there's a kind of ghostliness to it, a chance element to but it. Even even that involved people kind of walking around the gallery, right, to see these different videos. Right. Um, and you had to get up kind of close to the monitor so you could hear what the person was saying with, without being, you know, distracted. You heard like the, the murmur of the other characters talking, but you um, had to get up close to Oh yeah. Get them. So, so that was, well, that was when I was, that was the, the um, only time that I can remember that I did something on video, although I'm working on something right now that is for um, a festival at, uh, it's a live arts festival at USC Roski that okay. was supposed to be live back yeah. in March, but they canceled it. So they asked if we could convert, you know, and- oh, um, do videos. Move, yeah, move into online. Is it strange online. moving into like a video format from- Well, I, I, I can, I'm a, I, I have to work with a video artist. I mean, okay. there's no way that I have the skills or the expertise to make performance look really good on video. Yeah. You know, um, even I believe that performance artists should work with directors mm-hmm. so that they can look really good. You know, like, Brit, you know, you have this innate thing, but you have to have somebody kind of reel it out of you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I'm going to be working with Mary Ellen Strom. Okay. And she, um, and she and I are really collaborating um, on bringing this piece, um, which is about a segregated uh, black beach in New Orleans in the 1950s. Um, we, we're we're going to be working on making that into a, a video. Oh, know? great, great! Yeah, so it'll be a combination of you know, sort of live performance and video. Because I did notice that your your framing was really good in the great video. Yeah, and you see so many video performance or comedians, and they're like really far away, or like it's cutting off their oh. their neck, you know. Yeah. And, but you were like framed like medium shot in the, the camera and like the things behind you were perfectly in frame, uh, you know, like, and it was just like really well planned. Um, whereas like a lot of these zoom performances that I keep seeing online have been sort of absurd and like not planned and, and like right. they're hard to watch because they just kind of ramble on and, and aren't like, nobody really thought like, this is the medium that we're doing now. This is what I need to like, make it look good the math i saw in your performance art was fantastic from a person who doesn't know art because like you literally were never you never spent time looking for like well i have to use this part so you never did that like every single part led one thing to the other the 
these parts you literally had that connected to a different part so you even <laughs> foreshadowed in the future like oh i can go here again because i'll be back over here in this direction oh, yeah. i put this on while i'm talking over here so it all works out well so a led to b led to c led to d and there was no point was like oh i have to i have to go to a to f or where's f you had it down pat and I was so I would I was so welcoming of any errors because of um, the f kind of folksiness of the performance that it was in yeah. my kitchen. Um, there was a real kind of like a it, there's a Yiddish word for this like a real kind of Hamish quality to it. Um, and so that's why I think there was one point yeah, where I grabbed the wrong picture. I grabbed the picture of my aunt and I said, "Oh, wrong child." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, um, I also, um, I, I teach puppetry and I'm not, and I'm not teaching it like, like, okay, get a styrofoam head and two googly eyes, you know, if, you know, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching it more like how can objects perform? How can objects tell a story either separate or alongside it? What's nice is I'm actually teaching it this semester with, uh, Maya Ederly Perez, who's an animation teacher. So. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I'm not so interested in absenting the performer from the stage, but I'm interested in how objects can perform alongside the performer, can play a role that um, uh, expands, complicates, contradicts, you know, what the performer is talking about. So, um, you know, uh, and I think, uh, you know, I mean, I went to art school. I'm a fine artist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just so, just to be relevant to your show. Um, you know, <laughs> Thanks for having another uh, version of fine. Like, <laughs> I'm a fine motherfucking artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I do. I, I, I love objects, and I like, I like making, making small ones. I, I don't think of them as like sculptures necessarily, but maybe more like effigies. Yeah, um, something that something that transcends the story and transcends whatever the narrative is. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I just got so serious, like I'm like giving an interview for art form. It's okay. It's supposed to be an in interview for <laughs> about your art, but... Uh, no, well, no. Uh, again, I, it got hijacked by my family more quickly than I expected it to. <laughs> it's okay. That's a good, that's why you're here, Eric. Yep. I told you you'd add more energy to the podcast. You're I, great, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> but like, you start talking about like, you just popped up on me. I, I was just like, oh, hello. <laughs> with this, I assumed he had said something like, oh yeah, my friend's going to join. So I wasn't, I was surprised when you're like, who is this strange man with his lack of hair? Could you imagine if he but did not Yul Brynner? <laughs> You're just Zoom, like Zoom trolling. Yeah. You know, you up. saw this link online and you just jumped on. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, okay. I just wanted to say thank you for what you said about the framing. And I, I do, I believe it now because a lot of people have said that to me. So I know it must be true. Yeah. And, um, I, I just uh, have a it, hard time watching video, like video performances over I've the internet. i watched a lot of them this summer, especially when yeah. I knew I had to do one. I was like... There is somebody who I would recommend watching, very different from what I do, um, but she, uh, you could probably see her video performance um, through the kitchen. Her name okay. is Autumn Knight. Okay. And I think she's actually gonna be doing something at SMFA, um, you know, online this semester. So. Oh, good, good. Mm -hmm. She's great, she's really good. But you know, I mean, you know, I, I that's the, that's the other thing. I'm a fine artist. I was also, you know, I studied painting. That's what I studied for years and years before, you know. So I I, I love you know composing things, you know. Yeah. I, I love like pushing things back and forth, making the Hans Hoffman thing, and you know. Um, and when you when you change to performance art, you start doing that sort of thing with your body and and with the audience, right? You're like you're controlling the whole room becomes sort of the composition, and you think about about that well but, i wish i could say i was that good at that keegan i really oh. can't but i remember one of my first criticisms one of my first negative criticisms in san francisco was written by a woman that said that um it would be great if danielle abrams had as much command over her staging as she does over her use of language oh wow and i realized then i was like 
I can't see what the fuck is going on around me when I'm performing. I'm like, you know, in a restaurant, you know, and I'm trying to get the waitress's attention. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, so I do need to, that's why I say, you was know, that I stage think fright at first, do you think, or? No, I think, I think, no, no, I think I just, you know, couldn't see what was going on. You know, oh. it was like, it was like a, a blind spot when you're driving. Mm. And I, you know, and that's when I realized that I needed directors, stand-in directors, eyeballs, you know, just somebody to tell me like how to make a space a little more dynamic. And, oh, I see, I see. And not get swallowed up by it. Did you get a haircut, Keegan, by the way? Yeah. Okay. So cool. I was, I was, um, I've been doing my own COVID cuts basically. And I was doing another one and I put the wrong number on the razor and, and like did the middle. And I was like, well, now it's a two. So oh, that's short. That's short. short. Yeah. It was a two on top. So then I just had to do, I don't know. I did like a one on the sides, but it's really short now. Yeah. It looks good. It looks good. It does so now. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Is that the kidney problem, cat, or is that the other? Yeah, cat? this is kidney. Aww. Look at his kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's scratching me, so I had to pick him up. I just wanted to say one thing. I didn't finish. Um, you cut me off, Keegan. Okay. You were asking about the people, like where I lived, or you were asking about where I lived. I mean, I just wanted to say that there was a, um, an element of. Um, redlining and segregation that took place in my neighborhood. And um, even though like we were the working class people, we were not nearly as poor as the people who lived in the projects, which was right down the block. And there was a distinction, okay? There was like a gas station in between our building and the projects. And what's interesting is as I grew up and we, my parents bought a house, when it was time to start experimenting with pot, I would go to the projects. I would go oh. back to the old neighborhood, you know, to get to get my weed. And my cousins have also had, you know, different uh, relationships with men from the projects. They've had children with men from the projects. I mean, you know, so um, just, uh, I just, I do remember though, I do remember though growing up and being very aware of Bad black people live there. Good black people and Puerto Rican people, because that's New York, live in my building, as well as, you know, um, as well as working class whites. There weren't any houses. There wasn't any wealth uh, in the neighborhood. I mean, you know, the, 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 the subway train went by all the time. It was dirty, you know, but you definitely knew who you were or where you were, where you belonged in, in um and you know, in the class and race and yeah, and, and yeah. culture um, mix up. You guys know Great Works, um, Great Great Works Small Toy Small Theater. I do not. They're like, they're like part of the whole thing with Circus and Muck, the Upright Citizens Brigade. You know, part of the sort of you know protest uh, puppetry and performance and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're coming to they're coming to um, our class, which I'm really excited about. Oh, cool! That's really cool. If um if Kingan, if you ever want you know to come and visit and hang out, I'd love to have you. Oh, great! You know, and cause all sorts of mayhem and stuff. You know? oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be uh, on my exercise bike if I do. <laughs> Let me I'll tell be... you, that's what, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, oh my god, all this laying around that I'm doing. I haven't gotten on the scale. I don't want to get on the scale. Okay, so all this laying around that I'm doing, I'm not eating as much because I'm just not hungry. Yeah, but I, I I did take a yoga class this morning, and I <laughs> I realized I think I'm gonna need to get a stationary bike, yeah. and build something that mounts the computer on it and te just teach that way. I mean, it's I I don't know what the fuck else am I gonna do? You can't like you know, take a walk, just take a walk, Danielle. I can't think of a more boring thing I'd rather do than. Oh no. I and walk up and down the stairs and in my have building. That is the most boring thing to do. Because not only do you not get a new <laughs> view, you're like just in, you're literally in like a dark spot. And every once in a while, like the lights will turn off. You're like, oh God, I'm going to die. That's the and only you, thing exciting. You're on the 12th floor, right, Eric? 17th floor. 17th. 
Yeah, and so like my only exercise right now is I just walk up and down the stairs because that's, every single you, that's good down. exercise. It's good that's, exercise. It's just boring. It is boring. It is boring. Everything is boring right now. This yeah. is this is it. This is it. We are our default right now is boring, and there is a reason for that. We're supposed to feel boredom, okay? Because we are the product of the me generation. And let me put it up my nose and let me stick it in my vein and let me sniff it, you know, and all that. We, we have to go back to like nothing, you know. Maybe those yoga classes are good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But um, I feel like I don't want to let you guys go, but I feel like we're done talking, but I don't want to let you go. <laughs> I'm enjoying the conversation, so I'm good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but Just before need- we go, let me wrap the podcast up. With a, oh with yeah, like a, okay. uh, yeah. conclusive remarks. Yeah, just con- yeah, just like hey Danielle, you've been a great guest. Have you, Thank no, you no, so no, much I, for coming I, I, on. You, no, I want you to summarize. Well, t- today we had Danielle Abrams, and first we started to talk about Broadway theater. <laughs> oh God, Eric, were you taking notes? <laughs> I need to write down. Actually, wait before you go. I need to do that for my sister because she will be very upset if I don't. So give me one second to find a pen. I need That's a not what I was that asking. Notebook. It's upside down. How are you supposed to take notes with the notebook upside down? Yeah, Shanghai Joe's is one. What were the other restaurants you recommended? Because my sister's going to want these. You want to go to Yona Schimmel's. Yona Schimmel's. But if you're in Queens, go to Ben's Delicatessen in Bay Terrace. Ben's Delicatessen. That's, that's, that's the only place where I go to eat. <laughs> All right, that's perfect. I mean, that's going to be plenty because... Well, I mean, if you want to get one of those, they have these, like, you know, these mafia-owned delicatessens where they make a sandwich, <laughs> and you can get, like, you know, roast beef, ham, turkey, and then disco fries. And <laughs> 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 it's called the Cherry Valley Deli. I never had one, but my sister has uh, told me about it. It's in Whitestone. You know, if you want to know where to eat, man, when you're ready to go, you tell me, and I'll put you in touch with my sister. Okay. I'll, I'll contact Keegan, who'll contact you, who'll contact your sister, who'll get back to me. That's right. Okay. Or else you could just stalk me and find me. I'm on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great performance art. Where should I eat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, is there anything else you need to know? Do you need like I don't know my social security number or how much? No, no. Do you want to plug? Do you want her to plug anything in before? Yeah. Do you have a show coming up or anything? I do. I do. I had this live artist live thing. Um, well, it's been a good year. I must say, it's been a good year. Um, I got a, a Boston Council of the Arts Public Arts grant with Mary Ellen Strom. Congratulations! Congratulations. Thank you. I got a Boston Foundation of the Arts grant also with Mary Ellen Strong. So congratulations. Uh, it's all around this project pertaining to Lincoln Beach and New Orleans. Um, and, and also um, uh, the school gave me um, an OVPR, Office of the Vice President for Research, a seed grant to oh, continue the work. You know, and, and you wanted to know who my favorite artists were? <laughs> yeah. Um, David Hammonds, now Bustamante, and it's N-A-O, and Bustamante is B-U-S-T-A-M-A-N-T-E. Adrian Piper. Eleanor Anton, and Senga Nanguti. That's a good list. Yeah. Very good list. Anyway, so, um, yeah. Eric, I hope we get to meet someday. I hope Same we here. get to like chow down on something in you know, a Jewish or Chinese. I know. I mean, I actually like. I was. I'm not sure. I'm gonna probably change my dinner plans. But I was gonna cook myself for dinner now <laughs> because of this. Because of this. So that's also something I'm gonna do. Is like I was originally just planning just I don't know just like doing something simple like maybe just like a peanut butter and jelly for dinner. But now I'm actually gonna go like more all out and get um, either probably Chinese or uh, jelly food. Jewish. Well, this has been really fun. Thanks for coming on. Likewise. All right, Keegan, give my love to Ashley. Will do. And um, uh, maybe you, you, me, and Martina can have like a a, a little brunch sometime. Yeah, that would be fun. (laughs) I know, I've been speaking to her. Oh, good. Did you hear her about her ladybugs? No. 
Oh, when you talk to her, make her tell you the ladybug story. It's very Martina. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, you guys. This has been really fun. You cheered me up. And um, I hope to, you know, cross paths again. Yeah, really great talking to you and catching up. Really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Keep me posted. Um, keep me posted when this thing is ready. I'd like to, you know. Oh, like definitely. To let people know about it. Okay, we'll do. Okay. All right. <laughs> ciao. Bye. Ciao, 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 ciao. Hello, hello, and welcome back to what I like to call the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Danielle Abrams. Thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on the show. We had a real blast talking to you about your performances and your childhood in New York and uh, with Eric's sister and everyone involved. It was just a blast. And you, listener, if you like this episode, you can find Danielle. Uh, she will be performing very soon, actually, coming up in November on Saturday, November 7th as part of the USC Live Artists Live 3 Despair ver- slash Repair. I want to say Despair versus Repair, um, but no, this is the University of Southern California Live Artists Live 3 Despair slash Repair. It's a virtual event, and admission is free. You just have to go on the website and sign up. Danielle will be performing on Saturday, November 7th. And her performance is scheduled for 2 p.m. as of this recording. There's also lots and lots of great performance artists and artist talks happening that weekend, Friday and Saturday. So make sure that you check that out. It looks like a great event. It's Once again, it's the University of Southern California's Live Artist Live 3 Despair Slash Repair. It's an, a virtual event. The SMFA art sale will be held completely online this year. There's over 300 contributing artists made up from faculty, students, alumni, friends. Your purchase supports the contributing artists and also provides a scholarship uh, dedicated to the SMFA students from underrepresented groups. It's a great sale. It's the largest New England art sale of its kind It runs from November 9th through the 23rd in 2020. You go on the website, it's smfa.tufts.edu, and you can view the sale catalog, and, you know, and it's, it's a great thing, so make sure you check it out. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, and don't forget to rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts because your ratings really help us find new listeners. And uh, we're, we have more great episodes coming soon. So make sure you subscribe and don't miss a single one. With that being said, thank you so much for listening. This episode was produced and edited by Keegan Shiner. Music by at underscore groovebox underscore. His name's Dylan Carey. Thank you, listener, for listening to this episode. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.